it's my favorite day of the week. Every Wednesday afternoon, I go to the hospital and spend two hours, however long the kids want to hit golf balls, and teach the kids of all abilities how they can play, how they can hit golf balls, regardless of their medical condition. All the children at Rankin Jordan are medically complex. So we'll have kids coming in that are in hospital beds and wheelchairs and walkers. They're on ventilators, they've got feeding tubes, a little bit of everything. And regardless of what they're facing, they hit golf balls. You'll see them literally laying down in bed on their sides, swinging. We've had kids with severe burns to, to hands and arms and all over the body that don't have fingers. They still swing on their own holding the golf club. It's a very, very powerful afternoon and you know, no better way to spend a day off than, than there with the kids hitting golf balls and teaching them and helping them get better through golf. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the entrepreneurs, the innovators, the disruptors, and the influencers who are shaping the future of golf. I am your host, Colin Weston, and today I am excited to have a gentleman on the show who's doing such impactful work. Had the pleasure of meeting him through our connection on LinkedIn, and we've deepened that relationship over the last year or so. And that gentleman is PGA golf professional, Kevin Korn. And Kevin is doing some great work in St. Louis at the Rankin-Jordan Pediatric Bridge Hospital, where he does does such incredible work with young people at that particular facility. And I'm going to let Kevin expand on that. But to start, Kevin, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you for having me, Colin. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much, Kevin. I always like to ask this question before we get into this impactful work that you're doing that is changing lives with these children and their families and their community. So I always love to hear the connection with golf because I didn't grow up in a golf family. I didn't start playing until I was in my late teens, old enough. There was no YouTube videos, had the big banana ball, could never aim far enough left, which I've managed to get somewhat out of my golf swing now as a 14 handicap. But I love to hear these stories of who introduced you to the game, that power of introduction and invitation? So tell us about that, Kevin. Uh, it was like a lot of kids that started young. Uh, my dad introduced me and, and took me to the course when I was probably five years old or so. And early on, it was something great to do in between baseball practices and games. And then as I got older and you actually had to have talent to keep playing baseball, golf became a focal part of, of what I wanted to do moving forward. Got it. Got it. So reverse engineering this as a PGA golf professional, obviously you went all in at golf at a certain point. So did you play at college? Or So tell us about your golf journey that's led you to becoming a PGA teaching professional. I didn't play in college at the collegiate level. I went to Coastal Carolina University near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And at the time they had started a golf management program that was not yet PGA accredited. So that's what I went into from a, a degree standpoint in education and went ahead and passed my playing ability test with the PGA while I was there, did all of my PGA schoolwork while I was getting my undergrad at the same time and just went forward with the PGA side of it. And when I graduated from Coastal, that was the final points I needed to get my PGA membership. So you were multitasking while you were at school. I love it. Exactly. Okay, let's bring it fast forward here, or at least at the beginning. So the connectivity with you have of giving back and making an impact in the, in the lives of these children. Why don't we do this? Why don't you tell everybody what the program that you put in place at Rankin-Jordan Pediatric Bridge Hospital, tell us about what you're doing, and then we'll work backwards of how this all came about. So yeah, please share that with us. It's my favorite day of the week. Every Wednesday afternoon, I go to the hospital and spend two hours, however long the kids want to hit golf balls and 
teach the kids of all abilities how they can play, how they can hit golf balls, regardless of their medical condition. All the children at Rankin-Jordan are medically complex. So we'll have kids coming in that are in hospital beds and wheelchairs and walkers. They're on ventilators. They've got feeding tubes, a little bit of everything. And regardless of what they're facing, they hit golf balls. You'll see them literally laying down in bed on their sides, swinging. We've had kids with severe burns to, to hands and arms and all over the body that don't have fingers. They still swing on their own holding the golf club. It's a very, very powerful afternoon and you know, no better way to spend a day off than, than there with the kids hitting golf balls and teaching them and helping them get better through golf. Wow. And the pictures and the videos are seen, they just resonate. It's such an emotionally connecting thing that you're doing here. It's just, it's, it's really is amazing. So I want to hear some, some stories with some of these young people in a bit, but let's kind of rewind the tape a little bit here. I know that you're not doing this as a business at all. This is part of what you're doing to give back to your community. So how did all this come about? Tell us about the origin story of where did the idea come from? Where did you see an opportunity? And what did you do as the first time to even see if this is something that could logistically work within the facility? Sure. It started with an article in PJ Magazine. This would have been, let's see, late 2010, early 2011. I saw the article. It was about a similar program at Texas Scottish Rite in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, the Dana Dempsey administers, and, and Dana's a wonderful, wonderful lady I've, I've gotten to know over the years. And I spent some time on the phone with her talking about what she does there. And reading the article and talking to her, I thought the right thing to do is to start a program in St. Louis. We've got five incredible pediatric hospitals here. We're very lucky to have wonderful pediatric health care. So we should do that here. So I, I wanted to take her program and take that concept idea and put it on steroids. Mm. And I talked to a member at the club I was at at the time who was a doctor and said, hey, you know the Peds hospitals better than I do. Which one's the best one to go to? So he explained to me more about Rankin-Jordan and said this is the best possible spot to go to start something like this. So he arranged for a meeting there. His wife worked at the hospital at the time. No more than two minutes into the meeting, I was, I was with Janine Rowe, who was the community programs director. It was supposed to be, in my mind, a presentation and kind of a pitch to, I've got this idea, this is what I'd like to do, are you into it? And it immediately went to, when can we start? How can we start? We were working on the programming side of it immediately. And it just, it took off from there. The Gateway PGA had just started our foundation at the time, which then evolved into PGA Reach. That's the the national PGA Foundation now. They were incredibly supportive from the get-go. U.S. Kids has been incredibly supportive throughout the entire program, John Bryan and his whole team down there. And the great thing is that in 12 and a half years or so of weekly junior golf clinics at the hospital, Rankin Jordan hasn't spent a dime on the program for equipment or anything else that goes along with having weekly junior golf clinics for the kids. And looking at the videos and the photos, it seems like the barrier to entry is very low here. You've got some golf clubs. You've got a little, almost like one foot by two foot piece of turf there and some balls. And that's it's kind of it from what I can see. So in order to get in there, it's quite easy for you. It's not like you're trucking in this large infrastructure that someone else has to pay for and doesn't fit somewhere. So it sounds like you've managed to crack the nut on that, that it's, it's really quick and easy and flexible to get into the facility for these kids. It is. And all the equipment we have stays there. So the kids, we do golf on Wednesday afternoons for them, but they could be hitting golf balls any other time throughout the week if that's what ties into their specific therapy program. 
when we're inside in Warner's Corner, where a lot of those pictures and videos you've seen are from, yeah, we hit off the turf and just the standard U.S. kids clubs and almost golf balls. The cool thing, really cool thing about Rankin Jordan is the overall facility. When you wander through the hospital, number one, you never feel like you're in a hospital. The kids don't wear your traditional hospital gowns. They're not in their rooms. You're seeing a rock climbing wall and an indoor pool and all these different activities for them to do. Well, you could also see a full swing simulator that we have there. And then when you go outside on an expansion that was finished about five years ago, there's a baseball field that's accessible for everybody along with two putting greens and a sign next to the greens that names it appropriately Rankin Jordan National Golf Links. We've got multiple areas for the kids to go and hit golf balls. We always find a spot for them. There's so many places we can go in the building, but to your original point, yeah, there's not a lot of overhead to get into it and to get it going, and we make do. If one part of the hospital that we'd like to go is too busy to use, we go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And there's always somewhere to hit. We always make sure the kids can swing a golf club if they want to. So share some stories with us that has not only impacted your life in a positive way, but also the young people that are swinging the golf club and also their families. (laughs) We're 10 minutes in, you're already going to make me cry, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many stories that I can share and tell. We're, I don't know, 600 or so, 650 clinics in on on the program. So there's, there's stories galore. Two kids, one who played golf with me in the tournament last year. He was on my team and completely carried the team, of course. Brad describes himself as a walking quadriplegic. Uh, He was in an accident several years ago that resulted in a broken neck. He was diagnosed out of the big hospital as a a quadriplegic. Mm -hmm. And when he left Rankin Jordan, he did so walking. So he he continued to improve and get better. And and he was diagnosed a quadriplegic, but he's not. He walks and hits golf balls and plays golf. He played 18 holes with us. And so we're playing the tournament last year. Last hole we have is a... It was a drivable par four, and one of the guys in our scramble team knocked it on the green, and Brad steps up and just routinely makes about an eight-foot putt for eagle to win the tournament for us. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and then he speaks at the dinner afterwards and you know, sharing his story about going from a broken neck and the emergency surgery in Mexico to basically save him, and then coming back to the States for his rehab, being diagnosed as a quadriplegic, and... Here he is playing golf in the tournament, making the putt to win the golf tournament. It was a pretty special day and pretty powerful day all around for all of us that were there to see it. Wow. Wow. And some of the videos I've seen with the kids, whether they're in a wheelchair or whether they're in a bed horizontal with a club in their hand, when they make contact, everything we love in golf, you make that beautiful contact that feels effortless. Just the pure unfiltered joy and smile and reaction on their face. You must never get tired of that. So tell us a little bit about that in the hospital of the kids for the first time. I'm sure there's some trepidation if they've never done some of this before and how that switch is flipped to pure joy when they make contact with the ball for the first time. It's really no different than anybody else picking up a club for the first time. The biggest difference is a lot of these kids have been told through a lot of their lives or their whole lives that they can't do this. Mm-hmm. And we prove that that's incorrect, that they can do it and show them how that they can. So, yeah, it's no different in a lot of respects of a beginner picking up a club and being hesitant and wondering if it's the right thing to do. Because you wouldn't think that hitting something and sitting still would be so difficult or, or so frustrating at times. But once they hit that first good shot 
and either get it airborne or hit it into the target net or in, in our case, hit one of the human targets. Because with using the almost golf balls, if you're out in front of the kids picking up golf balls, you're fair game. Because that, that's a, it's like a hard nerf ball. So it doesn't hurt if it hits your right, kids' right. biggest kick out of hitting one of us. And <laughs> yeah, they do that. And there is no better feeling than doing something to put a smile on the face of a child in a pediatric hospital. Mm. It doesn't matter how you do it. There's times where it's showing them to hit a golf ball and having them do it. It's them making a putt. It's them hitting one of us. It's them simply being there with their friends and getting to experience that and having that social connection with them and being kids and having an opportunity that they never thought they could have or may have never even dreamed that was possible for them. And we take care of that and show them that they can hit golf balls. doesn't matter if they're laying down face down on a gurney and how do you hit golf balls laying face first on a bed? Well, not only does Anna hit them that way, but she also tees them up on her own and doesn't need me to stand there next to her and do it for her. Amazing. We are now going to take a short break to hear about our episode presenting partner, InRange. So what is InRange? Well, InRange is a radar-based ball tracking company that enhances the driving range experience by offering the most engaging gameplay and precise ball tracking on the market. InRange is the only driving range tracking business that truly offers something for every type of visitor. They have unparalleled practice software, which includes the world's first and only practice handicap, as well as golf games and courses for the more social player. They are also the only software in the world that offers a bay versus bay link-up feature, meaning large groups can play against one each other in teams right across the entire venue. To learn more about them, check out www.inrangegolf.com. It sounds like the difference you're making in these kids' lives of giving them that confidence and that support so they can realize they can accomplish things in life and not just in golf, but even beyond that. So I want to hear some stories from the parents, whether their children have had a debilitating physical challenge since birth or through an acute accident. Tell us some stories there of the feedback you've received from from parents through the program. One that really jumps out is a family that had four children, I believe, all sports fans and loved every sport imaginable. One of the children was was in Rankin Jordan for an extended period of time and learned to play golf while there. Was it because of the medical issues this child had, wasn't able to play golf or, or play any other sports throughout their life, even though they loved all the sports. Mm. And the, the child picks up golf while there and loves it, is able to play, continue playing when they went home. And so I get a text a few months later and all of a sudden, everybody else in the family wanted to play golf <laughs> and nobody else did. The father said, nope, for the first year or so, it's just going to be the two of us because he'd always had the chance to play sports with the other children in the family, but didn't have a chance to play sports with, with this particular child. Right. So it was a way that they could connect in a different way that they hadn't been able to up to that point. Now they had sports that they could bond through and, and connect with. And then so after the first season or so, then all of a sudden the whole family's playing golf and, and getting to enjoy what sports can do for people when you get to participate in them. Wow. Wow. I, I love that. I don't know if you formally call the program this or is just a saying you've come up with this care beyond the bedside. Does that then translate into charitable work? Because as we know, golf has this unbelievable ability to raise money for foundations and charities unlike any other sport out there. 
are you using the work that you do in golf as a connector to raise awareness and also funds for Rankin Jordan? Care Beyond the Bedside is the healthcare model at Rankin Jordan. They want kids out of bed. I believe it's about 80% of the time that the kids are awake is spent outside their hospital rooms. Hmm. So they're out playing video games, they're playing golf, they're playing basketball, they're going out in the field, you're doing their therapy, they're on the rock climbing or whatever it may be, but they're being kids. That's where the care beyond the bedside comes in. And when you watch it in action, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And miracles are happening there daily. To be able to see that and be a small part of it, it's it's just mind-blowing every time I go in there. Mm. From the fundraising standpoint, we do, yes. We've actually got our annual golf tournament. And that'll be a a great day where we fill two golf courses with it. For the golf program, I've got the network of friends and and family that I've got has been unbelievable. Because anytime I've needed something, it's a simple post on Facebook or Twitter or maybe LinkedIn. And next thing you know, if I need $1,000 to buy something, I've got $4,000. Everybody is only too happy and, and excited to help where they can. There's a couple of small groups that do events throughout the year that donate the proceeds from that to the golf program. It's amazing you know, how powerful this game can be and the amount of good that it can do for people in so many different ways. And in a lot of respects, ways that we didn't necessarily think of. But now that we're seeing that golf in a pediatric hospital is a pretty good idea, it opens up your eyes to a lot more things. Yes, absolutely. So not that you're looking at this as an entrepreneurial endeavor to scale. That's not the reason you got into it. And you've been very active on, on LinkedIn and sharing the, these stories of these experiences with these young people. I'm sure you've connected with hundreds of pediatric hospitals across the country. Are other facilities reaching out to you to see how they can incorporate this type of programming into their facility? There have been a few, yes. We've had some response through the National Alliance for Accessible Golf as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people reaching out there to Dave Bart, and then he passes it on to, you know, whoever the request would be most appropriate to, to go to. If it's a pediatric hospital, typically it's either me or Dana Dempsey. There are a few that are reaching out. In my mind, it's still happening too slowly. Right. Uh, just because I see all the good that the game does and really how easy it is to administer the program. I really don't know why we don't see it in the 300 or so pediatric hospitals that are around the country. It's a no-brainer to me because it doesn't just heal a child, it heals the whole family. Mm-hmm. Uh, And there's so many different ways it will heal the child and then in turn heal that whole family. It's not just the physical side that people may think about. It's the social and emotional and all of those other benefits. You know, we've we've had children that do their speech therapy during golf. Ah. Just simply because I could keep the child's attention for 40 or 45 minutes in golf. And they go to speech therapy and in there in that little room, they could keep the attention for like 45 seconds. Well, who would have thought that you'd be doing speech therapy during golf? (laughs) We do. You can utilize the game if you're creative enough to heal people, in this case, children specifically, in in so many different ways that just look at as a no-brainer for facilities everywhere to incorporate. Well, hopefully with this podcast and YouTube video that other pediatric hospitals across the country will get the message and realize, hey, that the entry is very low, both financially and equipment-wise and space requirements, and the benefits are just unbelievable. Like the ROI on what you're doing for the lives of these children and the families and the community is is incredible. It really is. 
So you mentioned that every Wednesday, sounds like that is your favorite day of the week when you go to Rankin Jordan for most of the 52 weeks in the year. Tell us about the experience once you arrive and when you leave. I'm curious of how many kids you see all the time. Tell us about that, what a Wednesday in the life of Kevin Corn looks like. <laughs> it, I can't get to Rankin Jordan fast enough. Our tea time is two o'clock every Wednesday afternoon. We'll do quick setup. Depending on where we're at, the setup is minimal. For outside, it's just grab the clubs and the golf balls and, and head out to the field to start hitting. We have anywhere from two to eight or nine kids every week. You know, some kids come out for 10 minutes. Some stay for an hour and a half. Mm. It just depends on what their schedule's like that afternoon. In a lot of cases, it depends on what their schedule's been in the morning. Because if their therapy has been fairly intense, they may not feel like staying out to hit golf balls for very long. It's also amazing, and anybody that plays golf has, has had this happen. It's no different at Rankin. You get to the range, or you're going to go out and play a few holes, and you don't feel like it, and you're tired, you've you know, had a long week at work or whatever, and you hit a couple of really good shots, and all of a sudden that fatigue starts to go away. Right. And the next thing you know, that child that was going to hit five golf balls has been hit for a half hour and loves it and, and doesn't want to leave. Yeah, I love that. So to expand on that, I'm sure you've had hundreds of kids participate over the years that, sure, there's a couple every once in a while that they do come out, but they're whether they're anxious or they're overwhelmed and resistant. What messaging or techniques do you use of kids that maybe don't want to do this, that you'll get that club in their hand and eventually a smile on their face? A lot of it is... I'm not afraid to act like I'm a five or six or seven year old. <laughs> it's, I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan and he's got a song called I'm Growing Older But Not Up. Right. And I, I kind of think that's perfect about me because I'm growing older, but I don't want to grow up. So it, it's really just figuring out in a lot of respects what the kids are interested in. How can we connect some way so that they're comfortable with me or with one of the therapists or with both of us there, or whatever it may be. I was trying to find that common interest. And I remember one little girl in particular, she didn't want to play golf, but she wanted to be there and watch. Next thing you know, she's got a golf ball in her hand and she again, see almost golf balls. So you can do this with them. She throws it at me and I see it come and I grab it and I roll it back towards her. And she just starts laughing and got the biggest kick out of it. Her mom's sitting there with her and she starts smiling. Little girl does it again and I roll it back to her. And so this goes on for 10 or so minutes before she has to leave for therapy that particular day. Next Wednesday, her and her mom come back. Same thing. She starts tossing them at me and I, I roll them back to her. And this goes on for a few minutes. She doesn't have therapy that day. So I, I walked over and, and the little girl's maybe five or six years old. And I said, how about if we hit one golf ball? I want to see if you can hit it as far as you can throw it. And she's like, ah, I, I just want to throw them. Okay. So she keeps throwing them at me. And I said, now, if you hit me three times in a row, you've got to actually hit the golf ball. <laughs> and I made sure she hit me three times in a row. And then she picked up a club, stuck to what she said she would do. And I helped her. We went hand over hand uh, to make sure that, that she would have a good experience the first few times. She hit them. And that got bigger smiles than her throwing the golf ball. It was just that way of getting her to the point where she enjoyed what we were doing and then incorporating the club into it and teaching her that you can hit, you can have just as much fun doing it this way as compared to just sitting here throwing them and, and watching the other children have fun. Yeah. Wow, you're good. That was sneaky yet effective. Well done. <laughs> you, you learn a few little tricks after 12 or so years. I'm sure you do. I'm, I'm sure you do. 
So to finish up here, the future, what do you want to see in a couple of years time? Or like I said, you don't look to necessarily to scale this thing. It sounds like you get such personal fulfillment out of this and such gratitude that's expressed from others as you impact their life. Where do you see this going? Like I said, it doesn't have to scale or expand. Yeah. Tell us about that, what you see for the future of the program and your involvement in this. Yeah. The, the kids do far more for me than I could ever do for them. And I, I would enjoy and be thrilled to see this in every pediatric hospital around the country. Once we do that, then through Canada, through Mexico, just continue to expand because it's not limited to just this country or this continent where golf can do this for kids. It's everywhere. There's no reason why it shouldn't grow and we allow the game to have the positive impact in whichever way that may be for the kids all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's a very inexpensive activity to add for the kids that can have healing benefits in so many different ways that it just seems like it would be a great program to add everywhere. I agree. I agree. Well, I have plenty of other questions I'm really eager to ask you, but I'm going to show some restraint and hold off on those, Kevin, because you and I are now going to jump onto a video call for our Mod Golf YouTube channel. So I do encourage our listeners, if you enjoyed what you heard here and after this story, if you haven't enjoyed this, I don't don't see how you can't <laughs> because this has just been so powerful. That yeah, please join us on the Mod Golf YouTube channel. I'll include the link in the show notes so you can watch us and also see some video and some images of all the wonderful lives that Kevin is having an impact on. So as we finish up here, Kevin, why don't you let our listeners know where they can learn more about you and the impactful work that you are doing and see some of these videos and some imagery also. I appreciate it, Colin. Thank you. RankinJordan.org is the website for the hospital. There's limited stuff there. It's info on the hospital in general. Uh, My blog is RankinJordanGolf.blogspot.com. Follow me on Twitter at KevinCornPGA. And on LinkedIn, I share the most probably in those two spots Mm -hmm. and try to get something up there every week or two with with some new pictures and and stories about some of the kids. Yeah. And as I always do in the show notes for this episode, make it nice and easy for all of our listeners out there that I will include all the links to what Kevin just mentioned there. So you don't have to write all that down. Well, wow. As I mentioned, Kevin, I could go on for a lot longer here because this story is just so enthralling and so, so important, uh, the work that you're doing to change lives. But as I mentioned, we're going to jump on our YouTube channel now and, uh, and have a further conversation there. So to finish up, Kevin Korn, thanks so much for sharing your story and the work that you're doing at Rankin-Jordan Pediatric Bridge Hospital in St. Louis. I appreciate your time today and thank you for joining me on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you very much, Colin. It's been my honor. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.